Thanks again to Greg Vaughn for joining us to close out the last hour. Final hour of the show later on in this segment. It'll be your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles coming up to the Golden One Center next week. So uh, we'll have that opportunity at the close of this segment. Uh, in this last hour, too, we will uh, have the crossover as well. We'll keep you up to date throughout the hour on the American League wildcard one-game situation. Evaldi versus Cole. They're about to begin at Fenway Park. I uh, want to start, though, this last hour. Got to do a little deeper dive, though, into the Sacramento Kings last night. Preseason game number one, just getting started. Want to give you some takeaways and observations from the first preseason game. And we said this in first things first. I mean, again, look, it, it doesn't really matter if you win the game. Phoenix, in this situation, didn't play Chris Paul. They didn't play Dario Sarch is still hurt from the finals. They didn't play Devin Booker. They didn't play Jay Crowder. But how can you play against the people that, you know, were in the finals? Cam Johnson, Bridges, Cameron Ayton, Landry Shamit, who I think is a nice addition. I think Alfred Payton and JaVale McGee will help them. Phoenix should be good again. And Chris Paul makes everybody better. So that team's going to be heard from again at some level. I don't think they're going to be a... I don't think it'll all fall into place as it did for them last year. But they they earned that. They deserved that. They were a really good team. And when you do it the first time, now it's how do you, not necessarily how you build on it because the Suns were two wins away from winning the whole thing, but sustaining it. Now, staying good, being relevant. I, I think they've got a roster that has lived through some good things, and now what else can they add as they uh, get another full year with that kind of core group. So Phoenix should be good. They should be a problem for a lot of teams. But watching the Kings, a couple observations last night, and let's start you out at least with a uh, a highlight and a pretty nice play in the third quarter. Bad pass inside, stolen by Harkless. Gives it up to Mitchell. Ahead now to, oh, no, look, pass to Halliburton. He gave it up on the run. Tristan Thompson with the flush. Biggest lead of the ballgame for Sacramento. That's the third look-off pass by Halliburton for an assist in this ballgame. And that may have been the prettiest of the three. And it happened in bang-bang fashion. Yeah, Halliburton was stellar. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be – he was good last year. He's going to be great this year. I mean, he's such a fan of what he does. And it's one of those guys that we always say it. Said it last night with Henry Turner on the radio broadcast in the postgame game. You don't always look at his stats to get the feel of the impact that he has on the team. But it's also nice to look at his stats because last night, 11 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal. He makes people better, makes this team better. He's such a good fit for any team. And I think about, I said this last night in one of the breaks, Phoenix, think about the year that I just described that they had. Two wins from the NBA Finals, and they had an opportunity to pick Tyrese Halliburton. They did. I think they knew in the offseason they were going to get Chris Paul, and they already had Booker. So I get why they went somewhere else, and they went big. I felt like they did it more off of need than best player available. They took Jalen Smith, who last night showed a few things, but really didn't do anything for them in his rookie year. But think about if they had another guard coming off that bench or played three guards at times. You could utilize a guy like Tyrese Hepburn on any team. But thankfully, he was for the Kings. They got him at 12. And so... Looking at last night, what do I what do I automatically look for first? It's the new players. How do they fit? Where's the where do they belong? And the new players I'm talking about are what I think is part of the the main guys that are going to get rotational minutes. Alex Len, not sure exactly where he fits in in the rotation, but he would qualify. And you know what he brings. We've seen it in his career, and we've seen it when he's been with the Kings in the limited amount of time before this. 
and now this time in return. Uh, low volume of shots. You just basically have to get him some sort of look inside, and he's going to protect the rim, and there's a physical presence, just an attitude about him that makes you tougher. So where does he fit in? It just depends on if Luke Walton wants to use or needs that. I could see when the Kings play someone like Embiid and Jokic, um, some truly big, big centers. Rashawn Holmes is as good as a lot of centers in the league, but there's a few guys, understandably, that have given him problems. And those are a couple of them and others as well. But now you get a, a guy with experience and toughness and fouls that could you bring out on the floor. Another one is Tristan Thompson. Seeing what he has provided more off the court so far than on has been a nice addition. Players have openly commented about his trash-talking, his spirit, his leadership, his fun. Um, And you've seen him last night in the arena. He kind of crashed the interview of Davion Mitchell. We've seen him do that with Buddy Heald on media day. I think the teammates like him. And he's, I've said the term with him, he's a professional rebounder. First, first, second, he's on the floor last night. There's a miss. There he is, right spot, rebound, put back good. I think he had two attempts, made them both, all off of offensive rebounds. And that's what he's going to provide. The other one is Davion Mitchell. And I understand why people are excited about him because I am too. Saw him play in college. Saw him win in high school. We saw him win in college. And I think he's just going to be a winner in the NBA. What he does, what he provides is going to go a long way with this team because he plays every play all the way through. A hundred percent. I mean, absolute 100%. And I know people say that's a cliche. That's, that's all you can provide. Well, not everybody does all the time. And there were subtle things in the game that he does defensively. You could already tell it wasn't a big crowd last night. I didn't even see what an attendance was for the game, for the preseason game. But it wasn't full. But, you know, I, I'm writing a note down for the G-man or my head's down for a second or maybe even looking off to the side. You could just tell when there was a buzz or an energy going on in the game. You can kind of feel it sometimes. And I look up and I'm like, what's going on? And it's because Davion Mitchell is so intense defensively. He's just making something happen. He's making something happen. And that could be turning the dribbler, forcing him to the sideline, pinching him into a double team. Um, He made plays happen with his effort defensively. And I think as the year goes along, when the Kings are playing Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, great point guards amongst this league, he's going to get called on to guard them. I don't expect him to stop them. That's the offense usually wins these things, but how nice is it to take Halliburton off that great offensive player or De'Aaron Fox off that great offensive player for a little bit of time? That's what he's going to be able to provide. And it's going to get the Kings into a spot where can they play three guards? I think they want to play three guards. We saw it a lot last night. Can they even play four guards? I think those end up being big questions for Luke Walton. And he, after the game, was talking about the three-guard situation because, again, they started with Halliburton, Fox, Barnes, Bagley, and Holmes. First two subs that came in were Mitchell and Heald, so that instantly became a three-guard lineup as they took out um, Bagley and Halliburton. So then you had your three guards. But here he is after the game talking about the potential of playing three guards quite a bit. 
you know, we want, I want those guys on the court uh, a lot this season, uh, you know, the combination of them. Um, and, you know, I, I've told them individually and as a group, like uh, I can play you guys as much as we can defend and rebound the basketball. Because on offense, we're going to be really good. If it's Buddy, Ty, Davion, uh, De'Aaron, TD, like any of those combinations offensively is going to be really good. Uh, but we can only play it if we can get stops, play defense, and rebound. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was a long answer, and I not even really answering your question. But yeah, Ty is playmaking and shooting. Buddy is elite shooter. Davion's toughness, grit, um, you know, taking charges and hitting big shots. And and you know, De'Aaron is the the head of our snake. He, you know, he averaged twenty five and seven last year. So uh, there there is uh, it's a nice compliment. And I think he's spot on. The concern is if you go small, I say small because the league is doing this basically all the time. Um, what are you getting out of that? What's the strength? Well, offensively, coach said it. Oh, forget about it. Where are you there? What's that? A little early there. Oh, there's a leadoff hit. Not a leadoff hit. I thought that was gone. I will be honest with you. I thought that was gone. And you just jinxed the, the Yankees. I jinxed the game with that? Mm-hmm. Stanton hit one off the green monster. Trigger fingers. For a single. Didn't even get a double out of that. You got to run that out. <laughs> he looked at it. He definitely thought it was gone. Stanton had a great week there. Never even ran. Nope. <laughs> now, in not even in his defense, you have to go from the beginning because that goes off the wall and that, let me see. Oh, no, he easily could have had a double. Easily. And it was about 12 feet short of being a home run? Yeah, it was high up the wall, but it was definitely short. It was definitely short. All right, trigger finger for me. That's an error. That's a postseason error. Watch this double play. Get ready for that. uh, There's already two outs. I should have got a wicked smot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so no score in that game, Yankees and Red Sox. But the coach is right on the situation with playing the guards because the offensively they are going to be good. I, I think that's the strength of what this team has and the combination of the five guards that they have. How are they going to do this? How are they going to utilize Fox Halliburton, uh, Davion Mitchell? Certainly we got to include buddy healed. And then let's not forget about Terrence Davis. I think all five can play all five probably should play. What it is then going to do is hurt your front court rotation, which I don't think is as strong of an overall feel of this roster, but if they can defend well enough and rebound well enough, and again, last night was one short, small sample size of that. So not enough, but they held Phoenix to 106. They rebounded plus 13. That's certainly a good sign. And the other thing we saw last night is a team that is definitely going to be three-point happy. I think this happened last preseason, if I remember, and the Kings shot a bunch of three-pointers in a couple of preseason games they had, and those numbers were the highest they had of any game in the regular season. So I don't know if this is going to replicate that or not, but they shot 47 three-point attempts last night, made 16, which was a big difference in the game. We talk about that a lot during the season. What's the plus-minus in three-point made attempt, or three-pointers made? Kings made five more than Phoenix. That's 15 points. Kings won by 11. Those are huge stat discrepancies in the NBA to watch on a nightly basis on the box score. So I think that's something to watch the guard lineup, the multiple guards. If that's three, if that's four, the combination that's in 
who's the four and the five in that situation, how small are they against these other teams, those are things to watch and check out. But with that being said, I think that's an area after one game that they're going to try to lean towards. Now, the other thing that becomes interesting to me is how will they truly sort out the big minutes? Because Rashawn Holmes is is a really good center. I think Marvin Bagley, by all accounts, has had a pretty good camp, had a good game last night. I think could provide a lot of things for this team if he is getting closer to being a, a healthy, reliable player that could continually produce. I think that would look good for this roster. So how often are you taking those guys out? And who do you go to? Where are these swing players? Is it Harkless? Do you go to Terrence Davis, Alex Len, Tristan Thompson? I mean, there, there's some question marks there on who the coach will go to. And again, there's a good situation to have when you have 11 players that can play. But generally in the NBA, I think the most comfortable rotations are about nine, maybe 10 you can't play everybody, and this team shouldn't play everybody. And last night, all this success they had in the one preseason game was also minus – Not he played, but I thought De'Aaron Fox was kind of a non-factor. And Fox is going to be a huge deal with what this team does. So those were some of the early observations on just the construction of the roster and the way individuals played. I think there was another reminder of how consistently good Harrison Barnes is. Uh, I was working on the podcast, so I missed what happened in the game. You played the Sounders, so the Yankees up one nothing, two nothing. No, that was score? just to let everybody know the first hit oh. of the game happened, and then the Red Sox got out of the inning. Got it. It's no score. Okay, it's just the bottom of the first coming up. So one Sounder was fired, misfired, but one Sounder was fired. Remember, Yankees fans, you know who to blame. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not blaming myself. I am. Yeah, you're not a Yankee fan. Other Yankee fans, I'm trying to get them to get on you. <laughs> um, Harrison Barnes, though, came out shooting lights out. I think a lot of times he's he's not appreciated enough here. He's the consummate professional. He's a great teammate. He had a really good season last year. And I expect a really good season with him for him this year. So I, I can see when you've got 11 guys that you feel can play, I can already kind of predict Twitter, text line comments, YouTube chat comments. Why didn't this player play more? This player had a great first half going and didn't play. I I can't answer that for you. That's not – I can debate it and wonder and question myself as well as why certain things were done. But there are going to be times where we'll go, man, I wish Buddy Heald would have come back in the game. Or, man, I think Halliburton would have been a good closer there. Or Davion Mitchell should have played more. Whoever it is, we're going to be saying that a lot. Or they didn't get enough rebounds tonight. They should have played Tristan Thompson. I promise you that's going to happen this year with this roster. I promise. But last night, the balance of the scoring, Barnes at 18, Bagley at 15. Again, nobody played major minutes. Buddy, he got he he pulled the trigger a lot and and seeing him come off the bench and the amount of open threes he got I mean the setup that they had for him was actually pretty ideal. If Buddy gets that many open looks, he'll shoot it better I think than four of thirteen. But he scored his fourteen points. And then the other area which I know I constantly say I don't you know utilize it too much, but I always look at it and that is plus minus. And basically what that statistic is is how productive are you when you're on the floor? 
So, for example, I'll just pick the first person I see. When Harrison Barnes was on the floor, the Kings were plus 12. 12 points better than the Suns with Harrison Barnes on the floor, no matter what combination was around him. So when he's on the floor, they've outscored the Suns by 12. That's a good plus minus on a night. Uh, The worst plus minus in the game was Cameron Payne for the Suns. He was minus 18. He started for them. The best plus minus in the game was the rookie, Davion Mitchell, plus 20. So those are the things in one game. Nah, don't worry about it. Two, three, four, like as the season goes along. Coaches will look at the best combinations. Who's the best plus minus by themselves? Who? Uh, what are the combinations? And then, obviously, when you have a bad team that loses a lot of games, you're not going to find a lot of good people in the plus minus. But when you're winning all the time, those guys are obviously, without saying, goes they're going to be in the positive. So last night, plus 20 for Davion Mitchell, plus 15 for Tyrese Halliburton. Again, two players, I think that make those kind of positive contributions on a most nightly basis. 12 for Barnes, 10 for Fox. You had 11 off the bench for Tristan Thompson in the plus minus. Of the starters, Marvin Bagley was just plus two. Rashawn Holmes, this is rare for him, was plus zero. He was even. So watch that over over the season. And I remember a couple of years ago when Marvin Bagley and Nemanja Bialica were playing kind of shared minutes and a lot of minutes together, that was when I was starting to look at, and I go, man, plus minus was really favoring Bielitsa amongst those two. So something to watch um, as the preseason goes along. But as you get through these four games, can you stay healthy? Can you navigate your way through and feel like you can take advantage of the continuity that this roster has? With Barnes, Bagley, Holmes, Halliburton, Fox, healed, and even to the tail end of last year, Harkless and Davis playing a lot of basketball together. All you've really added is Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, who are NBA veterans who I don't think have to consume a lot of your offensive looks. They get a lot of stuff off of effort and rebounds and putbacks. And then Davion Mitchell, working him into the mix, which... They're going to do it. He's going to play. He's going to defend. I think he's in there for his intensity, his grit, his defensive abilities. But let's not sleep on his offense. He scored seven points. But had a couple of nice assists. Gets into some interesting spots on the floor. You can tell he's he looks he just looks small out there. But he doesn't play small. And he guarded all sorts of different sizes of players. The one thing I will say about Davion Mitchell, again, very, very early observation Generally, he's going to be on the floor with at least one more guard. And if that other guard is Buddy Heald, I'm okay with Davion Mitchell handling the ball. I know they like to play De'Aaron off the ball some and even Tyrese Halliburton off the ball some. I think the ball should be in one of their hands instead of Davion Mitchell's. He's not he's not completely sloppy, but there's sometimes I feel like he gets a little, just a little turnover prone. Let's, something to watch. Again, something to watch. But... Also watch whether it gets too aggressive with fouls. I think officials, as they learn him, will maybe uh, learn that a little bit better, too. He got two early fouls, but then played a nice job with that afterwards. And especially if he becomes a, a major bench rotation guy, I don't think you have to worry about foul situation as much because his minute total, just by being a bench player, will probably be less You know, in that 20 range. So I'm excited about what he can provide. We want to see if the defense over the long term is better. And, you know, in one night, you can't make too many evaluations. But 
I think we saw some key principles or a couple breakdowns, though. Those happened. Some of them were set up off of turnovers, but I like some of the pieces they've got, and we'll see how they go uh, going forward. All right, your chance right now to win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles on October 12th next week at Golden One Center. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. Call 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. Caller number six. You will be our winner of a pair of tickets to see the Eagles coming up next week. All right, we will take the break here. Come back, continue to update you on what's going on with the Yankees and Red Sox at Fenway Park as the American League uh, wildcard game is underway. Still have the crossover to get to. Much more straight ahead right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Congratulations to Reggie the winner of our pair of tickets to see the Eagles on October 12th next week. For all the rest of you, for tickets and more information, visit khk.com. We'll continue to have giveaways all through the week here on Sports 1140 KHTK. He went yacht on that one! That's actually accurate. Dang it, Chris. He went yacht on that one! Uh, The first runs come in the bottom of the first, and it goes to the Red Sox. Walks will kill you. Two-out walk to... To Devers and then Bogarts. He went deep. Two run shot. Dead center. Yeah. Yeah. Well hit. Two nothing. Red Sox after one. And Fenway was on fire. I told you. What? You got uh, happy fingers. Well, that's not why they're down two nothing. That's exactly why they're down two nothing. Okay. So it's over. It's over. Okay. O-V-A-O-V-A. O-V-A. We shall see. I, man, Garrett Cole has been the Yankees' best pitcher. It is who I would want on the mound. But the last couple of games, he has not been. Last quite a while, he hasn't been as dominant as we've seen. Here's his last. Is that see. a new uh, Apple Watch for uh, Bogart, sir? Probably. Cora? Huh. Cheater. Um, in September, he's given up earn runs. Two, one, that's fine. Seven three and five in his last couple of outings, but he's the guy the Yankees had to throw and made a lot of sense. It's two, nothing. So the the point of a Yankee lineup is, can they find, can they break through? They only got the one single in the first. It was the only hit by the Red Sox was a two run home run. And that's the way baseball is nowadays. So we'll see how this one goes again. Boston leads that one two to nothing as they are just underway in the uh, top of the second couple other things. Baseball saw this note during the break as well. Looks like the Dodgers now have officially ruled out Clayton Kershaw. We weren't sure whether or not he would go. There was concern about his injury, but they're shutting him down for the postseason. Now, for Kershaw's sake, his legendary career, glad he got the breakthrough last year in the World Series to get that victory and get the World Series title. Um, and then they're still not sure about Max Muncie uh, for the Dodgers, who got hurt in the game on was that Saturday or Sunday, one of the two games. But he is going to be out till maybe late October. So he's not playing. Okay. Are you going to continue to make these sounders that we have for as the playoffs go along? I think I need to. Okay. I think I, I need to find something. So if the Red Sox advance, we can keep that one. If the Yankees advance, we keep that one. Or do you want to update? See, them? like I'm a little upset about myself because I could have got the one from Wood Goodwill Hunting's of my boys, Wicked Smart. Oh, we can still add it. I can add it. If you have more, I'll I'll change them. I'll add them in. 
So, oh, you're saying I should get multiple ones for? Yeah. Maybe I should get an offensive one and a defensive one for ah. each one. Okay. Not to worry about the New York one. This game's over. Oh, okay. So I can't fire the Yankees update again. Unless they do something good. Okay. Um. All right. Well, we'll wait. And you see. thought that was going to be a moment. No, I was. <laughs> I was. What I was going to do is, if they walked, I go. Can I? Can I do it for a walk? I was going to test the limits of the Sounders. Uh, again, two nothing Boston getting the two run home run in at the bottom of the first. That game has made its way to the second inning. A couple other notes too from the NFL. The 49ers know that they have uh, put Robbie Gould, the kicker, on uh, the injured list. IR, he goes there. So the 49ers are signing kicker Joey Sly. Uh, that's according to reports. He last kicked with the Carolina Panthers. So the 49ers and their injuries uh, continue, sadly for them. But um, they got to go forward. Got to keep rolling right along. A uh, couple other things, too, uh, to, to address. Saw this uh, today, and I, I wonder what people think about this now because I think in the summer, one of the hottest things that was going around for that short bit of time was the rivalry between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. That was something where there surely seemed to be legitimate um, frustration, dislike, um, a mood between the two. They didn't like each other. They said it. They were open about it, and I was kind of okay with that. I actually thought others that were kind of on the fringes of that played into that pretty well. So that was kind of fun to see, and it was good for the sport. Golf doesn't get a lot of that. And then the two were teammates at the Ryder Cup. And, you know, in that situation, that's, you know, U.S. versus Europe. You want to be you're, – you're representing in a team and you're representing your country. Golf is such a solo individual sport. But in this case, they were never really partnered together. But it was a situation where, okay, let's let's move the page – turn the page here. Let's move on and let's let's act like teammates. Let's go represent Team USA and let's go win. And that's exactly what Team USA did. So today – they have announced that the match is going to happen. It's a one-on-one. Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau. Last time they had something like this in a one-on-one was Tiger versus Phil several years back. We've seen the match, you know, with uh, maybe two golfers and a uh, athlete. None of those golfers can, you know, be athletes. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. We've seen guys like that. Aaron Rodgers in those situations. But this is going to be a head-to-head. Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau in the match. The match. And that's going to be coming up on November 26th. For me, as a golf fan, as someone that likes these little rivalries or feuds, sure, I'll probably check it out. It just depends on how it's presented, how much um, it engages me. And, you know, the things that are kind of created like this don't always do it for me. Sometimes you find a hit. We've been talking about recently what I think has been a success, and I was hoping it was going to be on last night the Manning cast on Mondays. And we didn't get that yesterday with the Raiders and Chargers game, but I've really enjoyed that. And that's been something where it was a different idea, a different concept, and I think it really works well with those two particularly because, one, the brother angle is interesting. Two of them, it's a famous family. We've known them for years, and I think they're pretty clever. They're pretty funny. And then when they naturally rib each other, it just feels better than when two friends. I don't know. It just it you feel like you're really at their family get together and they're just poking fun at each other, making fun of whatever it might be. And then, by the way, there were two great gifted quarterbacks 
and you get their breakdown. They bring on good guests because of their name. And I think that's something that was created, a different thought process, and a really nice addition to football that I don't think even needs it. I mean, football, to me, I'm never really, I would say, offended by announcers. And a lot of times people go, oh, I can't watch this game because of this announcer. They may watch the game or they say they turn the volume off, that kind of thing. Uh, one, I guess I'm pro-announcer. Two, hopefully you learn something. That's always been my thought on announcers. Can you give me an insight on something new from the game, from the team, from a player? And I think the Mannings do it in formations and in plays and what quarterbacks should be reading, what they're looking at defensively. And someone who's watched and covered football a long time, I felt like I, I learned a couple things. And then sometimes their guests, uh, storytelling and the insight they provide, it's been fun. It's been a job well done. So I think when things are thought about differently, thought outside the box and kind of created, sometimes those backfire. But in this case, I've liked what I've seen in the Manning cast. So for the match with Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, totally understand why it's being formulated and put together. But at that time of year, there's a lot of different things going on for sports fans, consumption, football still going. Basketball, of course, will be going on at that time. College football is wrapping up at the end with some some of those high-level games. So we'll see. We'll see where we kind of are then. But I felt like that that peak time would have been to have this back then when they were talking about each other continually. And I'm sure they'll stir it up. They'll recreate that almost like boxers do or MMA fighters to, to really drum up a fight and get interest in it. Kind of interested, but not totally uh, all in unless they – unless they take it to a level that we haven't seen yet, which I don't know if they'll do if that's manufactured and feels fake, but sometimes that works, right? We've seen that work uh, in other sports to get this truly broader scale because, you know, you've got golf fans that may just be into it anyway, but can you capture more people's attention than just the diehard golf fans? Uh, update on baseball. They make their way to the bottom of the second. It is 2 nothing Boston at Fenway Park. So, again, the one game and done wild card situation. The winner of this game gets the American League's best team, the Tampa Bay Rays, as far as record-wise. It'll stay in the American League East. Three American League East teams made it. These two are battling now, and uh, Tampa Bay awaiting the winner. And then, of course, tomorrow you got St. Louis and the Dodgers with the Giants awaiting the winner in that one. Um, I'm really hoping to fire another Yankee sounder, but they didn't really threaten for much in that inning. So, got to wait, Chris. Twenty minutes left, and only twenty minutes of the show left. Don't know if I'll so. Get I think to... we'll only get to like one out. Well, it's gone faster than I thought. So, well, let's see. First pitch was five oh eight. It's five forty, and they've played an inning and a half. And there's only been what the Yankees have two hits. The Red Sox have one. There's only been three hits, but How almost many runs? two. Oh, for Boston. Oh, but almost every at bat was three and two. Every one has gone the distance, and of course the critical walk with two outs for the Yankees. And then the home run by Boston. That's the difference uh, in that one. All right. We still have the crossover to get to and some final thoughts before we get you to 6 o'clock. We'll come back with the crossover and much more and keep you up to date on what's going on with the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, continuing here on Sports 1140 KHTK, final segment of the show. Jason Ross here with you. As uh, tomorrow, we will be doing the show from 
the arena because the Kings will be playing a road postseason game or postseason game preseason game. We will uh, be calling that action getting from, ahead of yourself again. I know getting uh, to that one from the arena for the Clippers. Uh, we'll be calling that game off the screens there. So look forward to that tomorrow. Um, and uh, tomorrow, Lincoln Kennedy scheduled to join us also for his weekly visit. Lincoln and Chris Landry. Chris Landry also scheduled to join us tomorrow as well. So we look forward to that. A couple other news and notes from uh, sports that we can pass on as well is surprising news here. This is from Adam Schefter that the Dallas Cowboys have released – their linebacker, Jalen Smith. Uh, the Cowboys' defense has improved. He's a big part of what they do, or at least it was, there was a lot of hype around him. And they're still going to owe him $7.2 million. So there's going to be more on that story, but that one just came out here during the break. So very surprising there on the Cowboys and their release of their linebacker, Jalen Smith. All right. Um, Chris, do we do we are we ready to give a sounder here? Yeah, so... We told you what's going on in the American League wildcard game. Uh, here we go. Oh, forget about it. Wait a minute. To Stanton. Drug there goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, wh- what, did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. Oh, brother. Maybe he heard me fire my sounder. Yeah, he heard your sounder, and, oh, it's gone. So, Stan hit the one deep, hit it off the green monster. It was a single. That was the call on the Yankees radio network. Oh, man. I don't like that. I don't like that. That's a tough one. Um, The odd thing, I saw someone tweet this, which is actually pretty funny, Chris. The Yankees right now, they're trailing 2-0. Red Sox lead on the two-run home run in the first. The Yankees have two hits. They've gone, whatever Stanton's was, 300 feet, 300-something feet, and three feet. They had that little just full-swing bunt, and they both are the same. They both were singles. So whether they hit it three feet or 300 feet, they've got two singles. The Red Sox have just the – or no, they have two hits now. They just got a double. So they lay lead 2 nothing. So two hits each side. It's still just the bottom of the second. And uh, Boston leads this one 2 nothing. Man, pitchers are throwing some serious gas right now. Ivaldi's had a lot of swing and misses on the Yankees. I think I saw that graphic, too, the last time these two played. He's already got more swing and misses than the last matchup these two had. And uh, Cole's getting swing and misses, but he's obviously got a two that have been connected very well uh, by Boston. So Boston's up 2 nothing, trying to add more. And to me, every extra run they can produce, it will be critical. Because the Yankees will get some runs, I think, in this one. It's just... Where will Boston be? Will it be three, four, five? Or, I mean, how much will their lead be right now? It's just two uh, in the second inning. So long way to go in this one. A lot of baseball left, but Boston striking first. And you love that when you're the home team to, to kind of strike uh, amongst the two aces. You got to feel like Garrett Cole's the more dominant of the pitcher. So to Boston to get to him first and even threaten here in the second inning. So they've threatened twice in the two innings and they're making some good swing and contact so far. So, uh, we will continue to monitor that. Let's also get the crossover from the guys in the morning. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Crossover question for you, Jason Ross. Congratulations. You are San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler. You are the likely NL manager of the year, and you're 
super handsome. Anyways, all of that aside, put yourself in his shoes. Who would you rather be facing come Friday, the Dodgers or the Cardinals? Have a good show, sir. Thank you. Where was Jay there? I think he was using his talk boy to send uh, the audio over. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounded good. Um, Cardinals. Yeah. Who would rather face the Cardinals? Absolutely. Okay. All right. You never want to face the hot team. <clears throat> How hot are they? Too hot. They're hot chip hot. Are they too hot to handle? Too, too cold hold, to hold? <laughs> too cold to hold. <laughs> um. Beep. They are not the better team. They are hot. But you know what? The Dodgers are too. Dodgers had a great finish to the season. Dodgers won 106 games. And the Dodgers are loaded. Uh, Max Muncy's injury is going to be a big deal. Missing Kershaw. I mean, you want another arm if you can. But Urias had a great year. Walker Bueller's awesome. Scherzer won't go, obviously, at the beginning because he's going tomorrow. But... I get the thought process behind it because, yeah, the Cardinals were baseball's hottest team at the very, very end. Got into the right groove, won 17 in a row, found their way into the postseason. Um, But the Giants would have to believe in what they did as a consistent team from April to October. I mean, they had good months every month. There was no letdown. I think their longest losing streak all year was four. They just would get out of – they didn't get in ruts. They have to believe in what they did in the regular season that they could back it up against the Cardinals. They have to believe the same thing against the Dodgers. I think it'll be more difficult. And in a series, that's why, to me, the Cardinals, I think their better map is to play the Dodgers first because I think talent for talent, the Dodgers have the most. And you'd rather play that team once. Because you can negate that with a good day, a good starting outing, a good pitching day. And you run into a few fastballs that you hit in the right spot, and suddenly, wait, we just beat the Dodgers? Yeah, you did. Move on. Now you get the Giants. That'll be difficult. But um, if I'm playing the more talented team, you want them in one game, not in a series. Because I think talent generally wins out, especially over time, over more games. So um, I think that question... Why you would you would choose different, Chris? For the, the Giants? Uh, yeah, I mean No, I'd rather them yeah, I'd rather them play the Dodgers, right? Is that what you said? No. Oh. If I'm the Giants, I'd rather play the Cardinals. No. I mean the the drama, the fun for us as fans, certainly is to see them play the Dodgers are, are a great team. Okay. All right. I'm looking for It's in St. Louis, right? No. Oh, it's not? Yeah. Oh, well then. Now what what did what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? Well done. Well played. They go to the third at Fenway. Still 2-0. 2-1. Now, what what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? Can we hear the whole thing again? Because this, I mean, I I don't know why I want to hear it again. This is painful. I don't like these because I know I could easily make this mistake too. The pitch to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, wh- what, did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. I can just hear you dying laughing in there, Chris. He's at first base. 
What did I see wrong? It was a single, is what it was. It would have been even more confused. Like, if Stanton was really running as he should have been. I mean, it should have been a double. The Yankees wouldn't have scored anyway. But if he was running, and Stanton never runs very hard anyway, so it would probably look like a home run trot. That would have made it even worse. Wait, why did he stop at second? Uh, ugh. That's a rough one. All right, we are back tomorrow. Lincoln Kennedy will join us on the show. Chris Landry will join us on the show tomorrow as well. And we'll get you ready for the next Kings preseason game. It'll be the Kings and the Clippers. We'll recap what uh, happened with the Red Sox and the Yankees the rest of the night there. And, of course, preview the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Big show coming your way tomorrow. Carmichael, Dave, and Jay Mars are back in the morning. That's it for us. Thanks to Greg Vaughn. Thanks to Christopher Lodd. I'm Jason Ross. Have a great rest of your night right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya! Now, what did did I do wrong? What did I see wrong?